The Biden administration is looking to a familiar face to put tens of billions of dollars to good use at the IRS. President Biden last year nominated Danny Werfel, a former acting IRS commissioner, to become commissioner. Werfel tells a Senate Finance Committee hearing among his top priorities, if confirmed, the IRS answering more phone calls and shrinking a growing tax gap. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman attended the hearing. He joins me now. What did Werfel say? What were his top-line concerns under questioning by the senators, Jory? At this stage in the IRS filing season, Werfel told the Senate Finance Committee that chief among his concerns is making sure that there are more IRS employees answering more phones and, and generally improving that level of customer experience at the agency. Last year, the IRS answered about 13% of phone calls that were coming into the agency. What we've heard at this point, now that it has $80 billion through the Inflation Reduction Act, it's been able to answer about 90% of calls. So a huge difference there. This early in the filing season, it's answering fewer calls than it did for all of last year. But this is a promising start. Warfel said that the IRS has been underfunded and starved for resources for quite some time. And what he's really trying to do here is making is make sure that it has the ability to meet its critical mission. It's a very complicated code. It can be daunting. And so I think there has to be an objective to meet taxpayers where they are. If they can't afford uh, the, the resources to, to help them navigate, how can the IRS do more to answer their questions? All right. So they do have some of the money. I mean, that $80 billion was over 10 years, but they already have the first blob of money from the infrastructure bill in addition to their appropriation. They do. And you know, we'll have more details on what that longer term spending plan is going to look like real soon. Under the direction of Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, the IRS is expected to produce a report later this month outlining those next steps. And Werfel did commit to the committee that he would make that public. Right. And Reddick is out of there already. So there are commissionless at this point at the IRS. So it's Yellen kind of doing the overseeing of that plan. Well, there is an acting commissioner keeping the seat warm, so to speak. But at this point, Yellen is overseeing some aspect of that spending. Okay. And then there's the enforcement side. Is that what Werfel was referring to on getting the so-called tax gap closed? That is another huge priority here, shrinking that tax gap between what taxpayers owe and what the IRS on paper is supposed to collect here. What he has said about this issue is that the IRS is really not serving both spectrums of taxpayers, the not so well to do and the top earners. He said that for that top earners bucket of folks, he said that the IRS has been ill-equipped to handle complex tax returns for high-income taxpayers. He said that they deserve a level of quality taxpayer service as well. And one of the things that he's looking to do in this en masse hiring the IRS is going to do in the coming years is hire tax experts who have that kind of background, have experience preparing taxes for those high-income earners. I'm not sure that training the current workforce will be sufficient. I think we, we want to hire and bring in experts, maybe some of the same individuals that earlier in their careers prepared these very intricate returns and are ready to come back and potentially serve their country and maybe years later help us unpack them. In other words, he wants to go to, say, Los Angeles and hire Steven Spielberg's tax lawyer and that kind of person to get into the IRS. For an example, but you know, <laughs> these are obviously well-paid people, and so that might be a challenge to go after these, but that's the goal anyway. And the topic of audits also came up. Warfel did make a commitment to the committee that 
Uh, as the administration has said time and again, they don't want to raise the audit rate for people making less than $400,000 a year. They want to go after people who aren't meeting their tax obligation. One thing Warfel and other IRS leaders before him have said is the worst thing the IRS can do is audit someone who is fully compliant on their taxes and they wasted their time and resources and the taxpayers' time and resources doing this whole runaround and there was no money owed. And so this is something he really wants to buckle down on. Uh, and this is something that through the hiring and through the IT modernization, the IRS is going to have a much better picture of going after the likeliest cases where some money is owed. And the tax gap came up in the hearing. It did. You know, this is a number that changes under former IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick. The official tally was $540 billion in taxes going uncollected every year. Reddick did say that number is outdated. It's hard to pin down, but he said he wouldn't be surprised if that number has gotten as high as $1 trillion a year. And so that's something Werfel says as the agency is able to staff up, they'll get a better picture of what that tax gap figure actually is uh, coming out to be. Right. My advice to Danny Werfel, don't promise them a trillion dollars. Don't promise them $500 because it will not happen. Getting back to that spending plan for the additional money that came in for the IRS under the infrastructure bill. Did he talk about that and how did that get covered at the hearing? He did mention it. He did reassure senators that this is something that he will make public when it is available. The IRS will probably release that plan before he is confirmed by the Senate. And one thing that senators did ask of him is that this is not just one static plan for the 10 years that the IRS will come back annually or in some increment and update that plan as it's implemented, and that reflects the reality of what's going on on the ground. Did the IT and systems modernization come up at all at the hearing? Because that keeps shifting and changing, and they've got this set of initiatives and that set of initiatives. They cancel some, they start up other ones, and yet the modernization seems to sort of come out bit by bit. This is something that there was definitely some bipartisan concern from the committee. We did recently see from agency watchdogs that one of the major IT modernization efforts here for the individual master file at the IRS that is behind schedule. The idea was for that to be fully modernized by 2030. The reality on the ground is that the IRS had to shift some resources, pull people away from that project. And so it is behind schedule. And at this point, it's unclear of when that IMF system will be fully modernized and if it will actually still meet that 2030 goal. Well, it's been going for 60 years, it can probably go another 60 if need be, but it would be nice to modernize it. And also, I guess the uh, record of Danny Werfel in the federal government prior to his last post as acting commissioner of IRS, that came up too, and he goes pretty far back. Yeah, a number of senators remember him from his days as OMB controller or as acting commissioner. These are just some of the hats he's worn in government. Collectively, he holds more than 15 years of federal experience across the George W. Bush and Obama administrations. In his days as OMB controller, he oversaw the relief package in the aftermath of the 2008 recession. That was not quite a trillion dollars, so not even a fifth of what has currently been spent for COVID relief, but that was, of course, an impressive figure and something that really did need someone to keep their eye on. Was your sense of the hearing that he has bipartisan support for getting confirmed? My sense is yes, that, you know, this is someone that both parties are familiar with. This is someone who has walked the walk in the past and uh, they are willing to give him a chance to see what he can do at this agency that has more than a few challenges. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom.
Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually, usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone. And I thought, well, you know, I'll take a look at it and see, see, you know, throw, uh, send in my information. And lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn, uh, every day almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has a, has a good story. Like it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, so often when you'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is, you know, stressing me out and come on, you know, like, look at, look at Terrell, like he, he faces everything with optimism. And, and, and I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally, you see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands a bit. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from the athletes of Special Olympics that, uh, 
I, I, Tim Shriver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. Uh, working with Special Olympics, it, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I, I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful and and uh, I mean, we work hard and you know, we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day. But uh, man, you see, it, it, and 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 the inclusion and the at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Yeah. Everyone is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, uh, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding of, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the greatest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.